This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Tuesday and that means it's time for our crack strategy panel. Parliament is reconvening today to pass emergency legislation. And the first draft of that bill would have given the Liberal government wide-reaching new powers to tax and spend without parliamentary approval until, get this, the end of 2021. Now, the opposition, sensibly, I think, refused to give them a blank check, and they agreed to support the bill after the Trudeau government agreed to change the draft legislation. Now, meanwhile, states of emergency have been declared in a number of provinces, including Ontario, as well as in the cities of Toronto and Mississauga. So, people, how are you coping with all of this? Are you getting what you need? And what do you think of these measures? Are they the right thing to do? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, I would like to welcome John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Karen Stintz, former Toronto City Councillor and current CEO of Variety Village, as well as Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Earnscliff Strategy Group in Toronto. Hello and welcome, everybody. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. Good afternoon. Okay, Mr. we've Mr. heard from all, all of you. By Mr. the way, how are you person. all keeping in the midst of this at home? Karen. Yeah, well, this has uh, certainly been difficult for Variety Village. Um, we've been, as I, you know, as you know, shut down by... Um, public order. And um, so uh, we've had to lay off 150 staff. And, um, you know, the uncertainty of not knowing when we're going to open is, you know, it, for sure it takes a toll on the team. And um, you know, we've been working to keep morale up as we navigate through the situation. And, uh, you know, but the impact uh, has been on our membership as well, because our members have been impacted by, you know, their, um, you know, their financial situation has been impacted by job loss as well. So we're already feeling the ripple effects um, in the in the time that we've been closed. And so, you know, trying to, again, make sure everybody, um, you know, is staying positive, doing what we need to do to, uh, you know, play our part, um, as well as keeping people, um, you know, calm, because there is, it's so much uncertainty in so many aspects of life that uh, it is, it there is a challenge. I'm sorry to hear that. And, you know, I, I hear you on the one thing is that uh, there's a lot of anxiety out there, mm-hmm. you know, among colleagues or uh, people that we know. And, and I know that, you know, part of what I'm doing or what we're trying to do here on the radio is is to uh, help people find ways to overcome that anxiety because, you know, um, it's a very uncertain time. John, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, uh, considering uh, Libby. Obviously, I was just saying that I miss seeing you all in person. 
Um, uh, it was always a nice dynamic uh, when we were there in person, but obviously um, this is the, the way we have to do things and, and for, for the foreseeable future anyways. But, um, you know, I, personally, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. And I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing, though, this continually evolve uh, minute by minute, day by day, uh, in, you know, with the city of Toronto announcing their state of emergency and then the province of Ontario and the province of Quebec as well, basically saying that, you know, all non-essential businesses uh, need to uh, need to see, uh, cease and desist as far as operations are concerned. Um, you know, that that will have a ripple effect without a doubt. You know, we've already seen Bombardier made an announcement today that they're going to be shutting down their non-essential services here in Ontario and Quebec. Uh, and, uh, and that's gonna take, you know, that's, that's a huge hit, not only for them, but for the economy. So, you know, this, this evolves and, and it's gonna continue to evolve, um, that, so that we're gonna see the, the true effect of, of, of what, what the economy and the hit to the economy based on companies like Bombardier and others, um, having to shut down services. But I think, you know, again, the Prime Minister's comments today and, and others, and the Premier Ford, who I think are, are both doing a phenomenal job, you know, just making sure that, that, the message is out there that they're stern with respect to making sure people do practice uh, social distancing, that they stay home. And what was, I think, more unnerving to uh, Libby was that, you know, the, the, the report that there was a million Canadians that came home, uh, their snowbirds are for March break uh, yep. over the course of the last weekend, if not, if not the last couple of days. Uh, and, you know, the, just a thought of, of, the, those who are coming over here going to grocery stores and, and gas stations and, and other stuff was just unbelievable. And I just hope that they all practice uh, what, what the leaders have been telling them to do and the healthcare workers have been telling them to do, which is to stay home. Let somebody else do that work for them. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. Uh, Charles Bird, what about you? How are you doing? Well, we've got all of our staff across the country working from home at the moment. I think I may have been the last one to make the move. I, I started working out of our my home office on Thursday. I remember um, last week, Charles, you said you could work from home, just not your home. You know, that turned out to be wrong. I'm actually, um, it's actually not a bad setup here. And, um, you know, there are some important distinctions to be drawn in terms of the experience that a lot of us are going through. Um, for starters, I think a lot of people are discovering that it, that you know working from home is is doable if you have the right technology and if you can stay connected with your coworkers and with your marketplace. Um, in terms of the list that John was referring to, issued by the government of Ontario and the government of Quebec, that that those were a list of essential workplaces that will be allowed to remain open. And um, it's interesting that some of those places um, may or may not be um, viable just given the extent to which the economy has effectively been put on pause, um, which of course is the $64,000 question, which is when we're through the brunt of the crisis, whenever that is and whatever the new normal looks like, um, just how much of an economic hit will we have sustained? But I, I agree with uh, John's comments about the leadership of the Prime Minister and uh, not only Premier Ford, but Premier Legault, Premier Horgan and others. I think they've done a terrific job. And I really feel for Karen's um, for Karen's people um, because there's a lot of that going on at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty devastating. Um what about this first draft of this bill that Parliament is reconvening to pass? I mean, you know, when I look at some of the 
power grab. I think the opposition's characterization of a power grab. I mean, what was going on with that? Charles, you're a liberal, so I'll turn to you on that first. Well, you know, it turns out that um, experts in transmissible diseases have two rules that apply to both business and government. One is move rapidly. Um, if you delay, you'll you'll lose out. And the second is do not let the perfect become the enemy of the good. And I think in terms of the way this legislation has been developed, which is, you know, extraordinary, um, extraordinary breadth to the legislation developed really, really quickly. Um, I think there was there was a little bit of here it is. Um, what do you think? Reaction from opposition was swift. The government's response there, too, was swift. And I'm you know, it feels like in fairly short order um, they've they've arrived at a reasonable consensus as to what kinds of powers the federal government needs to take on to deal with the the extent not only of the health crisis but also of the economic crisis. So I think you know the the, the desire of the government to move quickly is fully understandable. And likewise, I think all the parties have worked together. Uh, quite cooperatively and quite effectively to uh, to arrive at a at a position that will work going forward. Uh, John Cavalbianco, was it an attempt, uh, an, an an aborted power grab attempt? I, I just found it to be an unfortunate move. Uh, quite frankly, I you know, and I've given the prime minister um, on this show credit on, on on how he's been handling this and and how he's been dealing with it as well as the opposition parties all sort of, you know, working together for the sake of, of ensuring that Canadians are safe through this crisis. But I do think that this was a bit of a step backwards on, on that. And, and, you know, I think they know, they know full well that, that by, by putting this clause in, and it was clause two, which they've revoked and, and are, are saying that they've taken it out of the, the current legislation. And, you know, obviously the House is meeting as we speak um, uh, to, deal, to deal with this issue. But I do think that it was an unfortunate move because what it did do is, is it showed, you know, well, wait a second, you know, you've, you've got opposition leaders, including, you know, more, more importantly, Andrew Scheer and, and others who have said, look, we're prepared to come to the House of Commons on a, on a 48-hour basis to, to pass legislation. We've, we've given you everything you've needed, you know, for the sake of making sure that Canadians get the service and, and, the, and the funding and all that that they need. Um, so I don't think it was necessary to say, okay, well, we want powers for the next 21 months to be able to do things like taxing and, and other issues, given the fact that you've gotten so much cooperation from the opposition. So I do think it was a step backwards. I do uh, give them credit for backtracking. But I also think, Libby, that this has given uh, new powers and new wind, if you will, um, to the sails of the opposition. And I think that now you're hearing other folks come out saying, well, wait a second, we've been actually listening to the prime minister now almost, you know, unfettered for, for on a daily basis. Why aren't we listening to the opposition leaders? And why aren't we, you know, having Andrew Scheer and others uh, talk about things and, and give them some air time? And I think what this has done is it showed the power of parliament and the power of the opposition to be able to push back on certain things that need to be pushed back. And, and we saw Andrew Scheer on TV now being uh, having his time uh, in, on air. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that over the course of the next little bit. So I think it actually hurt them a bit uh, from that perspective. But again, they've, they've, they've retreated on it. Um, and they're going to continually get you know, the opposition supporting them on this issue, which I think is you know, the, the yeah. key thing going forward. Karen, uh, you know, back to this bill, which gives them spending and and taxing powers, even if they've taken out that kind of uh, unlimited clause. Um, 
So, uh, you know, there was a there was a survey from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business came out this morning uh, and uh, a huge percentage, I think a third of the small businesses they surveyed uh, said that their sales have dropped by 75 percent or more in the last few weeks. A third of, of them said that they could not last more than a month like this. You know, yeah. what's with, uh, you know. Get, giving yourself the power to tax, where, how are people going to, or businesses going to pay uh, those new taxes? Well, and, and I think that's the, um, you know, the next consideration that the government needs to turn its mind to quickly. Like, I, I think they've done a good job making sure everyone understands the importance of social distancing and doing our part and staying home. But the conversation needs to start turning to, okay, what does the end of this look like? Um, how do we know that we have overcome the health crisis? How do we know that, uh, you know, what does going back to normal look like? Because nobody believes that you turn on a switch on April 6th and everything is back to normal. Nobody believes that. And so there needs to be some discussion sooner than later. What, what does it mean to go back? Because right now I'm looking at a closure, an indefinite, I don't know when I can reopen and I'm without income. And I can't work from home because I don't have work to do if I don't have a facility to operate. And so that's, and that's the reality of all the small businesses, of the restaurants, of, you know, the hotels. So it, as, as, you know, we're doing our part, that message has been crystal clear. I think the, the leadership has made, you know, incredible um, progress in, in making sure that message is, is well heard and people are adhering to it. But at some point, there needs to be, as I say, a shift to, um, okay, Here's how we are going to start measuring success. Here's what success looks like. And that we don't know right now. And everything is so uncertain. And I understand maybe that they don't know. But at some point, if we're going to ask, you know, you can't ask unemployed people to pay more taxes. And you can't ask shuttered businesses to pay more taxes. And because their rents are the same, the hydro costs are coming down. We've heard that. But, at you know... They're, they're At talking, some point, you can't take blood from a stone. Well, exactly. I mean, there, there's been discussion with major landlords. I, I don't know if any of those discussions are happening with commercial landlords. But again, you know, uh, if, if businesses shut down, you know, if in, inside of a month, you know, that there, there is a little bit, there was a little bit for business in that package, but I, I don't know that that's going to prevent businesses from shutting down. Charles Bird, what do you think? Well, there's a lot of work being done in that very area, which is to say that um, there is a full or, or at least a, a developing understanding as time goes by as to how bad the economic situation really is and a complete willingness on the part of governments to respond with a suitable stimulus package um, that will tr- attempt to keep people whole, that will try to set up the economy for a day where the new normal is upon us, whatever that looks like, as Karen says. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the ideas that's been batted around is, um, you know, does it make sense for companies to be laying off employees and those employees going on EI or other forms of government assistance, presumably enhanced, or should government be paying uh, companies directly to essentially retain their workers, looking forward to that day when everyone does have the opportunity to go back to work. But, but how and that, much would that's that an cost? Active, uh, debate on the floor of the U.S. Senate. It's fraught with implications. It's fraught with the memory of what happened to so much taxpayer money in 
2008-2009. But I will say, as important as those questions are, and as much work is being done in that area, job one remains making sure that our healthcare system isn't overwhelmed by the influx of COVID-19 infected patients, because that is happening, that is coming. Um, there's some numbers that suggest that Canada is faring better than other jurisdictions, largely because of our experience from SARS in 2002-2003, the ability of our public health officials, uh, the way people have been communicating these issues and the way Canadians have responded. But we are still at risk of ending up in a situation like Italy or Spain, where decisions are made by healthcare professionals on the front lines as to who gets life or death care. And, well, and that, um, that's the I, nightmare scenario that we're trying to avoid. I mean, and, and, and some of the things I've, I've I won't even go there, but some of the things I've heard from uh, certainly one uh, representative of a medical organization, you know, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, yeah, and it looks like uh, the numbers in New York are starting to look very bad. Yeah, I'm very worried about what's happening in the United States. I mean, in the, the, the World Health Organization reported a doubling of um, U.S. deaths over a 24-hour period. Um, suggesting that this virus is really taking taking hold in various hotspots spots throughout the U.S. And at the same time, we hear Donald Trump saying, well, the, 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 the cure may be worse than the disease, which is a complete misread of, of, of the, the dire implications that coronavirus and its spread uh, presents to the and, American Well, even people. he has uh, come off of that a bit. He does seem to be uh, yeah, taking I mean, it more and that's seriously. Very typical of, of Trump, right? Where he'll he'll say something, and officials will have to confront him behind closed doors. And say that's just wrong. You can't say that. But I mean, the the, the numbers uh, are frightening. I mean, the United States has moved ahead of Spain in terms of the total number of infections, and they're seeing spikes in their infection rate and death rates that we're just not seeing in Canada. And again, I think that's a credit to Canadians and the fact that they've for the most part, have realized the singular importance of staying at home and social distancing. Okay, let's take a call from Bob in Shelburne. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine. Thanks for the conversation, and thanks for letting me on. No, I think that it would be extremely scary if Trudeau was given all the, all the powers to spend all the money he wanted, okay, in the next year and a half or whatever it is. Like... The guy has been a complete disaster since he got there, okay? We're in debt over $76 billion, okay, since he came on the scene. He's never ran a business in his life, just a skateboard instructor or a, or a drama teacher. What qualifications have they got to be the Prime Minister of Canada? I mean, this we have a disaster on our hands right now. We all realize that, okay? But to give somebody that has no business experience whatsoever complete control over the economy, I mean, it would be a disaster. I mean, if you remember back, Liddy, the first trip he took out of Canada, he gives some country $500 million of our money. I don't... I mean, this this guy is nothing short of a okay, complete Bob. disaster. Okay, Bob, I think, I think we get your drift. Thanks for your call. <laughs> uh, I guess that uh, people who don't like the Prime Minister, his... Uh, his uh, the way he's handling this crisis isn't them making them like him anymore. Uh, John Capobianco, your nonpartisan comments notwithstanding. Yeah, 
Well, no, and I, you know, but, but I understand where, where Bob's coming from. Uh, you know, notwithstanding the fact that, of course, Canadians have uh, picked the Prime Minister in a majority government five years ago and then again in a minority government this time around. You know, no matter how you feel about the Prime Minister politically, you know, this is the time for all of us to band together and, and support each other. But I do think, though, that, again, and I, and I stated the, the, the misfortune of, of, of the Prime Minister trying to put this clause in where that gave them a bit more unfettered, unfettered power, it, it created the, the frustration that you're hearing in Europe. Because I think that, you know, notwithstanding how you feel about the Prime Minister, those of us that are partisan have always said, look, you know, he's been doing the right thing by, by self-isolating and dealing in a very personal situation with his wife who's tested positive and all of that, and he's still getting out there doing this thing. But I think that, you know, this this unfortunate situation where they were going to try to put this through is causing people to kind of reflect now and say, oh, wait a second, why is he doing that? And and then I just think it's it was just unfortunate for him to do that because I think it's caused some people now to kind of sit back and say, well, wait, you know, what was the intent? And and, and I thought we were supposed to be all nonpartisan and whatnot, but it also gave, you know, life to the opposition, uh, namely Andrew Scheer, who actually pushed back hard and the opposition parties pushed back hard and quite frankly, even some liberals pushed back hard on the Prime Minister, which which caused this retreat, uh, which I think is the right thing to do. But it might have damaged him a bit. Okay, Karen, what would you need if if you if you could uh, just suggest to them what would you need to uh, to help you out of your situation with Variety Village? Well, you know, again, we um, we we at some point need to open our doors, and you know, at this point because. We don't know when you flatten the curve, you don't know when you've got a peak and you don't know when you can resume normal activities. And, you know, I don't like Hong Kong and Singapore, they were able to find a way that they could navigate through and not shut down their entire economies. I don't know how they did that. But I mean, at some point we, you know, I understand that focus number one needs to be containing the virus, but we don't know what containment looks like. And no one's been able to define that. And so for a business trying to plan, do I do another round of layoffs? Do I, how do I cope with this? How do I reopen? I, it, there's so much unknown. It's, it's, it's difficult to operate. And, you know, the sense that the 83 billion is, is, uh, is, it's a great announcement, but it, it doesn't even really cover the sport, culture and tourism industry in Ontario alone, uh, so which has the- been decimated by this. And so it, 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 I understand the health crisis. Everyone understands the health crisis. I don't think we fully understand the economic crisis that is unfolding in front of us. Right. But again, is is there something that they should put in for people facing the situation that you are in? I, I don't even know what they could do. They couldn't. They, they would bankrupt the, com- the country. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that uh, people are talking about what's going on in some of the Scandinavian countries where the government is paying up to 75% of people's salaries. I mean, how? I don't, I, you know, I don't think we have the wherewithal to do that. No, and then, and then you could tax, I guess you could tax it back. But, but again, it's, you know, I think really where the big um, help is going to come from, to be candid, is, is from the banks. Um, I know that there's been some talk about mortgage deferrals on on the uh, principal payments, but you know that Visa can still charge 19%. I think is absolutely outrageous because people aren't they are they will be facing layoffs, they will be facing hardship. Even if I were able to reopen my doors tomorrow, many of my members have had job loss. So that that the the the, the stimulus isn't going to come from the government; it's actually going to come from the banks. 
where they can say to people, okay, actually, we understand that you can't make these payments. And we're going to, you know, look at a long term strategy to keep you viable because they, that's, you know, for me, how, how we can, we might be able to make this through. Uh, Charles, I thought that their package had some uh, easier credit facilities for certain kinds of, of business. Do you think that's enough? Um, it's difficult to say what's enough, frankly. I mean, the, the challenge is twofold. First, we have to make sure that our healthcare system isn't overwhelmed by the influx of infected patients. And that is um, something that will probably We'll probably know that over the next few weeks, whether that's two, four, six weeks in terms of uh, the numbers. Because, you know, as, as human an issue as this is, um, the numbers really dictate the timing around when we can arrive at something approaching a new normal and when people can go back to work and, and, and safely uh, interact in public, presumably, you know, with a lot of changes to uh, to how we go about our business. So. You know the challenge for the government is to is to meet the immediate healthcare crisis, but to try to position the economy in such a way that when we do arrive at that point of the new normal, we're in the best possible position to uh, realize uh, something of an economic upturn or a bounce back. And, and I think the likelihood of there being an economic bounce back, especially by the end of 2020 is really dependent on how how effectively we deal with with the health the immediate healthcare crisis which is to say that if we can be by this um say June or July and in a position to get ready for the quote unquote new normal by labor day or the day after that's probably the best case scenario the problem is um that it's still the issues are fraught with complexity and uncertainty. It's still difficult to know just how virulent and how seeded uh, the virus is in the Canadian population. And so, you know, to an extent, we'll just have to really uh, keep doing what we're doing in terms of staying at home, practicing social distancing and, and hoping for the best. I wish I could be more positive. I have seen some recent numbers out of the Public Health Authority of Canada that suggests that we are doing uh, a, a better job than most countries in terms of flattening the curve, both in terms of new infections and in terms of death rates, as opposed to what's happening in the United States right now. Well, so you know what? There's a little bit of glimmer Just... of hope there, but at the same time, what happens in the United States will obviously have a big impact on what happens in Canada vis-a-vis -vis the economy, vis-a-vis -vis supply chains, any number of different issues. So it really is a case of stay tuned and stay home. Well, I mean, in terms of the uh, the mortality rate on this, Karen, nobody knows because they really we we don't really know how many people have this. Correct. We've still heard about four day four day wait periods for tests uh, in the in the states, which was way behind the eight ball on tests. Uh, just saw that there's some new test that takes forty five minutes, but of course you have to have a lab that can turn it around, and I think that's a big part of the issue here. Yeah, and getting it out into the general public. I mean, those are, those are those are challenges, especially at a time like this when so many people are at home. So, uh, John, where do we go from here? And again, uh, you know, if, you know, having plans for when everything comes back to life doesn't help if a lot of businesses are, are dead and gone by then. 
Well, no, and, and, and also just not knowing when it's going to end. I think Charles's uh, uh, prognostication of, as far as Labor Day, Labor Day weekend is, is one that is probably very optimistic. I think a lot of folks, um, you know, thought was hoping that by early April we would see a bit of a flattening of the curve and a bit of a change. Well, that's not going to happen, and, and now we're getting into May, June, and the summer months, and, and hopefully that might might have a positive effect on, on this. But, um, you know, I think the key thing is, um, and what's been happening to date with our leaders getting out there on a daily basis and ensuring and sending the message out of staying home and 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 doing all the all the safe things I think is going to ha- is going to happen I think Charles is right as far as Canada being a bit more um, um, ahead of, of some of the other countries which is not to say a lot but it's it's positive from that perspective and I think we just have to continue doing what we do but I just knowing that our governments uh, at all levels provincial federal and municipal are on this uh, they're dealing with it they're talking to each other they're communicating uh, as far as making sure that their messages are coordinated uh, I think is all important but it'll come down to you know the health care and then of course the economy with respect to how much can we sustain and how much can government spe- keep spending on this uh, in order for uh, for us to uh, to be able to, to to maintain this for the next number of months uh, Karen uh, we're starting to wrap this up w- what are you hoping might happen between now and the next time we talk yeah, just from the government and public health to get a better sense of what does what does success look like in this battle against this virus. Um, and again, I know that it's it's a bit of an unknown, but um, you know when when can we as as a population start looking at these numbers to say okay, we're you know we're getting ahead of this, we're beating this, because at this point all all we do is wait for updates every day, and we're told stay home. At, at some point, we need to know when we can start living our lives again, and if it's if it's Labor Day. And businesses can't open until Labor Day. Well, I, mean, I, I don't understand how we could even have that happen, to be candid. I, I don't even know how that's even a possibility. Well, it, I mean, and it's, it's interesting because even when you look at China, um, it was sort of three months. Right. And, and, and we had our first case in January. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, so again, yeah, I, I, it, it's very difficult. And I think you kind of made an interesting point that if you're flattening the curve and there's no peak, you don't know when the worst is over. Right. Yeah. And at some point, I, you know, and, and again, that staying closed until Labor Day, I don't know how we would survive that. Yeah, that's, that sounds very extreme. Uh, uh, Charles, anything uh, you want to leave us with? Well, I mean, the, it, it's an implacable choice between, you know, the, the unpleasant scenario of uh, the economy effectively being shut down into the summer months, put on pause, if you will, versus um, going about business as usual and letting the virus do its worst. Um, and this is obviously a highly transmissible virus subject to mutation, which um, and anecdotally, I can tell you that to die from this virus is a singularly unpleasant experience. And so people are right to stay home and practice the utmost caution. So as I see it, uh, there really is no alternative. We have to tough this out. We have to do all the right things in terms of staying home, practicing social distancing, taking this very seriously. I will say we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, the, the, the draft legislation that's being considered in the uh, for passage in the House of Commons. The bigger issue is really the Emergency Act which is the successor of the War Measures Act, and which would give the government extraordinary powers in terms of their ability to compel people to stay home. And the Prime Minister has made it very clear 
that uh, he doesn't want to go down that particular road, but that he will if he has to in the interest of protecting Canadians. So assuming that that isn't necessary, assuming that Canadians continue to do the right thing, the answer is probably massive stimulus from uh, from governments. And that's not just limited to Canada. That's, that's across the board. You've heard reference to what's happening in Scandinavia. And this is just the price we pay to combat a virus that is worse than anything we've seen since the Spanish flu uh, post the first world war. Okay, well, let's hope that uh, when we talk again next week, we have some good news to talk about. In the meantime, uh, thank you so much to you, Char- Charles Bird, John Capobianco, and Karen Stintz, and all the best to you for the next week. Thank you. You, you as too. well, Libby. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Libby. Stay safe, everyone. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.